Our scripture lesson today is 2 Peter chapter 3. As we come to the conclusion of our series, it's been most of this year, uh, through 1 and 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. I don't have to tell you how chaotic our world is. If you're alert at all, I don't have to tell you how hostile our world is getting to the Christian faith. The question is, how should we as Christians be living in these last days? The Bible has the answer. Ta-da! You know, the Bible is a very practical book, and I so appreciate the fact that the Bible helps us not just get to heaven, but it helps us in how to live our daily lives. And so Peter, where we ended up last week in chapter 3, verse 10 of 2 Peter, talks about the day of the Lord will come as a thief, the heavens will be disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done it will be laid bare. And then he asks that question. In light of this, how should we live? And so our reading today picks up in verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with the promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, the new heavens, the new earth, being with God for all eternity, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. And if you ever have trouble understanding Paul, the next verse ought to encourage you. He writes the same way in all his letters, Speaking in them of these matters, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. So, so if Peter had trouble, it's okay for you and me to have trouble. <laughs> Speaking of them in matters uh, containing some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now I found one person who said that verse 11, instead of a question, could be like an exclamation. What kind of people ought you to be. You ought to be holy. You ought to be God, godly, you know, just kind of as an explanation. But whether it's a question, what kind of people you ought to be, or whether it's an exclamation, this is the kind of person you should be. The point is our understanding of biblical truth must impact our daily lives. He, he goes through everything that's going to happen and then basically says, so you need to live your life day by day in light of what's going on. Biblical truth isn't given in a vacuum. Biblical truth is not to enlarge your intellect so that you can win a Bible trivia contest. Biblical truth was given 
to change your life. And we need to understand that. And so Peter says, in light of what's going to happen, and in light of what's happening now, you need to make sure that your understanding of biblical truth impacts your daily life. And he says, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Those are interesting words. And what's really interesting about them is that in the Greek language, they're both plural. So you could literally translate it, your life should be marked by holinesses and godlinesses. And like, what in the world is he trying to say? It's my opinion that what he's trying to say is every part of your life should be marked by godliness and holiness. It is not just your godly Sunday morning from 11 to 12 and your holy Sunday morning from 11 to 12, but your life should be marked by godlinesses in every area of your life, in holinesses in every area of your life. The difference is holy refers to action. Godly refers to attitude. Or you could say holy is the way I live and godly is my reverence toward God. Holy is my behavior. Godly is my attitude. So he says holy actions, godly attitudes are to characterize your life. Okay, what does that look like? What does it look like to live holinesses and godlinesses? Peter tells us. The first thing he says is that it means to be like Christ. Verse 14, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace. That's an interesting trilogy spotless, blameless, and at peace. When you look around our world today, when you read or watch the headlines, and I hope you don't spend too much more time than that, even if you do that, there is one word that never comes to your mind when you look at our world today, and that's the word peace. You know, you never look around at what's going on politically, socially, morally, anyway, and think, oh, what a peaceful world in which we live. No, our world is filled with frenzy. And Peter says, don't get caught up in the frenzied, frantic pace of this world. Don't let the world tar you with its brush. Don't let the world affect you with its philosophy. Be different. Be peaceful. Be restful. Be quiet in your heart because you know that in the midst of the chaos of the world, God is at work. That really sounds like I'm out of touch, doesn't it? To say that in the midst of the chaos of this world, God is at work. But that's what faith tells us. That's what the scripture tells us. That's what Peter's been telling us for two books now. God is at work. Yes, the world is out of our control, but it's never out of his control. And Peter says, you can be at peace 
because you know God's will will be done and his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the kind of peace that guards our heart, that guards our mind, that keeps us free from anxiety, that keeps us free from fear. That kind of peace that when we think about the Lord coming back doesn't cause us anxiety because we know we're ready. I think as our world gets less and less peaceful, believers who are able to enjoy the peace of God in their lives will become more and more outstanding. And people will wonder, how can you keep your calm? Don't you know what's going on? Well, yeah, I know what's going on, but I also know who's coming. And I know how this is going to end up. And I know how the story ends. God does not want his people frenzied and panicked. Busy? Absolutely. Working hard? Absolutely. Sometimes worn out? Yeah. But there's a difference between being busy and being frantic. In fact, you probably know some people who don't know much of don't do much of anything in their lives, but they're as frenzied and frantic as you can get. God says, no, don't don't be frenzied. Don't be frantic. Be at peace. And the order of these words in the Greek New Testament is helpful in understanding how to do this. The order in the original language in which Peter wrote is make every effort to be at peace, spotless and blameless. He puts being at peace first instead of last. So what Peter is saying is here is how you are able to be at peace. Be spotless and blameless. Now, what does that mean? Spotless is our relationship toward God. That is, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And if we know that our sins are forgiven, his word, not ours, his word is spotless. The word blameless is our relationship toward men. That is to say, that you live in such a way that your motives are pure. That doesn't mean everybody's always always understand you because they don't. It doesn't mean you'll never be misunderstood because sometimes you will be. But what it does mean is that as you know your heart, your motives were right. And so what Peter is saying here is if you know your sins are forgiven, and you know you're living God's love in your relationship with other people, you can be at peace. Because you're doing everything that you can do. Your sins are forgiven, so you're spotless toward God. Your motives are pure, so you're blameless toward people. Then you can be at peace. And if you think about that a little bit, you can probably think of times in your life where you weren't sure you were at peace with God and you weren't at peace. There were times in your life when you knew that because of some things that you had done that were wrong, you know, relationships were suffering, and you weren't at peace. So Peter says you can be at peace if you're spotless and blameless. And the reason I put in that first note, be like Christ, is because these very words are used by Peter in 1 Peter 1.19 to describe Christ. They're translated there without blemish or defect. So what he's saying to us is become more and more like Christ. And we'll pick that up again before we leave this passage. 
but don't miss make every effort kind of goes back to second peter chapter one give all diligence make every effort it is not easy to be blameless it is not easy to maintain our peace in this world and so peter says it's going to take an effort uh, living the christian life in these days is not for the lazy or the faint-hearted he said make every effort to be like christ because he says verse 13 the new heavens and the new earth are going to be the home of righteousness i want to be in the new heavens and the new earth so i need to be righteous so be like christ spotless blameless and at peace the second thing that characterizes godliness is and holiness is and should impact our lives in these days is we are to share our faith in verse 15 he says remember that the lord's patience means salvation we talked about this last week the reason christ is delaying his return is so that more people can come to faith and so he says in these last days we are to make sure that we share our faith we are to be caught up in using our time our energy our gifts the life that we have to help other people find their way to christ it's a theme in paul's writings second corinthians chapter 5 therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here all this is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that god was reconciling the world to himself in christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore christ's ambassadors as though god were making his appeal through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god paul says there god has given us the ministry of reconciliation we are his ambassadors peter says remember that the lord's patience his holding off his return means salvation he told us again in verse 9 the reason is that he's not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance and so in these last days we need to try to find ways to share our faith we are his representatives we probably all know people who need to be reconciled to god and we have been given the incredible privilege of helping people learn how they can find forgiveness how they can find peace how they can find that relationship with christ remember a couple of weeks ago we or several weeks ago now first peter three fifteen. be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies in you i'm aware that it is increasingly difficult in our society to share your faith i mean when i began in ministry because i'm an old man but when i began in ministry 
you know, churches would get together and they would go into neighborhoods and just go up and down the street, door to door, you know, just asking people if they knew Christ or inviting people to church. That was just what they did. You can't do that anymore. You know, and, and people don't want you to do that anymore. I don't want you knocking on my door. You know, it just, and, and it used to be that in the workplace, you could talk about faith and you didn't have to worry that somebody was going to sue you or you were going to get fired or something. And, and I realized that the challenges of our society are making it more difficult to, to know how to share our faith. You know, how can you share biblical truth when you know you're going to be called a hater or whatever? And, and we need to ask God for supernatural wisdom to know how to share our faith. And as I've told you when we talked about be ready to give an answer, it, it presupposes relationships. And it means that we're building friendships with people who don't know God. And it means that we're in such a relationship that they will see God with us, you know, spotless, blameless, at peace. And there may be a time when they will ask you the reason that you're able to be so peaceful. And then you're able to talk to them about what Jesus did in your life. We believers have a lot in common with unbelievers. You know, if you've got teenagers, you've got a lot in common. Whether you're a Christian or not, you've got some of the same challenges facing you, right? I mean, you know, just their life is there. Ask God to make us sensitive to opportunities to appropriately share our faith. Because, again, one of the reasons Jesus hasn't come back yet is he's waiting on others to come to him. So share your faith. The third thing he says, verse 17, be on guard against error. We spent the last couple of weeks talking about this. In chapter 2, he warned us about false teachers. In chapter 3, he warned us about the scoffers out in society. And in chapter 1, he started by saying, you make sure you remember that your foundation is the word of God, that you are to judge everything by the truth of God. And Peter is very serious here, and he says it is possible that you can be led away from the truth. So don't get too comfortable. You know? Don't say, oh, well, I got it made. No, you stay alert, stay focused on the word, judge everything by the word so that you are not led away from the truth. And on the positive side, he says, grow in grace. Grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ. That word grow is interesting in two dimensions. It is a command. It's not, yeah, it'd be a good idea if you worked on spiritual growth. So you grow in grace. And it is in the present tense, which in the Greek language, the present tense means keep on doing it. So he's saying, keep on growing in grace. We should never reach, or we will never reach, a point in our spiritual development where there's no room for growth. There will always be room for growth. Grow in grace. And I think when I think about that phrase, I think about Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul says in the King James, that I may know him. I love the way the Amplified puts it. My determined purpose 
is that I may know him, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That's what it means to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. It means to become more like him. The songwriter put it this way. I don't know if you've ever sung this song or heard this song. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God my teacher be. Showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus and his word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine. More, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. Because I'm going to take you back to January and February. There will be a link in the comment description section to take you to the sermon series called Habits of Highly Effective Christians from January and February of 2023, if you remember that far back. But it's from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. The section is in your notes. For this very reason, here is how you grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. Make every effort, there's that phrase again, to add to your faith, goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And if you want to know the definition of those terms, I took a week on each of them. And you can study that along with us in the Habits of Highly Effective Christians. Because Peter says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, grow in grace. If you increase your knowledge, your self-control, your perseverance, your godliness, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. Be productive. Be effective. Grow spiritually as you build these qualities into your life. I close where I closed last week. Peter tells us Christ could come back at any time. Here's how we should live in the meantime. Many, many, many years ago, 20th Century Fox had a help wanted ad in the New York papers to fill a vacancy in their sales force. And one applicant replied like this, I am at present selling furniture at the address below. You may judge my ability as a salesman if you'll stop in to see me at any time pretending you're interested in buying furniture. When you come in, you can identify me by my red hair. I will have no way of identifying you. So the salesmanship I exhibit through your visit 
will be no more than my usual workday approach and not a special effort to impress a prospective employer. And out of 1,500 applicants, he got the job. Christ could come back at any moment. We should live each day ready for his return. Grow in grace, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we know that this world is not a friend of grace. We know that the challenges that we face um, are difficult and real. But we also know that you left us here on purpose. That if we're still here, there's still work to do. You're not done with us. And I pray that you would help us to stay so close to you that you fill us so full that as we go through our lives, you will spill out of our lives and touch the lives of the people that we come in contact with through our day. Lord, we all can think in our lives of, of people that we just as soon not see because they always rub us the wrong way. They've always got a bad attitude. They're always mad at something. And then we have those people in our lives that we look forward to seeing because they're always encouraging and they're positive and they say affirming words. Lord, we want to be that kind of person. We want the beauty of Jesus to be seen in us. We want you to be our overflowing presence, that as we go through our lives, Jesus is seen. That as we walk into the chaos, we would bring the peace of God. That when we run into people whose lives are falling apart, we would bring the peace of God. May that be so in each of our lives. And then when we are given opportunity, may we be quick to share our faith and to let people know what Jesus can do when we give our lives to him. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. And before you click off, starting next Sunday, we are going to begin a series. We've been talking about being at peace. We're going to start a series of lessons next Sunday, Lord willing, called Keep Calm. And we'll actually be giving you some practical biblical advice on how we can keep calm in this chaotic world. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today. God bless you. Go in peace.